0: Are you ready? if you're ready, I'm ready. If you have your Bibles, uh, this is not a joke, uh, open it up, Matthew chapter 1. Honestly, uh, not a joke. Uh, (laughs) In Matthew chapter 1, it is Christmas. You'll find out why here in a moment, why we are traveling there. I know I said last week we were going to start Matthew again, uh, but we will will not. Uh, Some of you guys are trying to like, I think I'm going to leave if that's the case. Uh, Let's start with this. Um, is it busy right now, uh, just, just in your life? Uh, I, for, for Missy and me, uh, I, I want to give my props to uh, you parents who are raising like tribes of children. Uh, about two months ago, God allowed us the privilege of fostering two beautiful uh, girls. And, um, and, and, and it moved the pace of our little trio um, considerably. Uh, going from three to five was, was pretty interesting. We, um, we were part of a God-sized adventure, and so I think that's the, the ability to sustain some of the change. Uh, but, but there's school, and there's gymnastics, and then there's merge, and then there's visitations, and appointments, and homework, and, and baths. Apparently, you're supposed to bathe people. Uh, we kind of got used to this system with Barry. Like, hey, um, are you alive? Yes? All right, good. Uh, pretty self-sustaining. Um, but but you now some of you are looking at your schedule like that's Monday for us. Uh, so so congratulations um, for making it this long in life. Um, and and I think here just personally we're we're pretty busy here um, in, in the life of Merge. I mean we love it. Uh, I love the season we are in. I am so very excited. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to talk I think on December 31st a little bit about um, more about just what God has done over the past year. Uh, here to get us in position to move us to to a new city where we get to love a new city. Uh, I I should mention this, um, uh, our Christmas Kids Adventure, uh, we were able to serve, partner with Walnut Creek Elementary, uh, we were able to serve 20 kids, uh, and then a little bit later, I think I told you guys this last week, um, we we received word that the Lions Club had about 10 more kids that needed some help, uh, and so we said, hey, we'll go. We'll take care of them. Uh, so because of if you, if you give here at Merge, uh, you are very much a part of that adventure. Uh, through our community tithe, we were able to serve 10 additional kids. Uh, and then I received a phone call from the counselor at the school uh, a couple of days later saying, hey, there's a family that just came in. They're new to town. Um, they were just looking for some help. Uh, and so through our generosity, through your generosity, we were able to step in uh, and serve an additional three kids. Uh, and then two weeks ago, uh, we had a lady who comes in here. She's a widow. She has five kids. Uh, and she comes in every year about this time looking just for some help. Uh, and through, again, your, your sacrifice and your generosity, we're able to serve her five kids. So by my count, that's like 345 kids uh, that we've served this Christmas season. Um, but but it's busy. It is. I mean, we, we're, we're trying to create systems and, and new Parts for what portable church will look like, and let me just say this, it's very much an experiment uh, at this stage, and so uh, we, we live uh, in this season, and I love it because I'm so thankful that God has given us this opportunity uh, to love on a new city, and I, I firmly believe our greatest days as a church lie ahead of us. Um, if, if you are a part of a church where the greatest days are behind you, that's not a good sign, uh, and so we are very excited about that. Uh, but, but then you have, on top of that, you have December, right? Uh, you have this thing that we call Christmas with its school breaks and its office parties and its gift buying and its gift giving. And, and it's almost this recurring theme that happens each year, at least in, in my life, that, that you begin this season with like Buddy the Elf, that like you're just so excited that it's Christmas. Uh, and then at some point next week, uh, you're going to be hoping that you have a grip strong enough to sustain you through the next couple of days, right? Uh, maybe you're guilty like me each year, like almost like clockwork. I'll get to like Christmas Eve and I'll lean over to somebody that's safe. I'll say, I can't "Over," um, because life gets back to normal, and 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 it seems that the timing of the year just begins to pull us. In many different directions. Maybe, maybe we aren't prepared for that, but, but, but we feel forced to make room for just about every opportunity uh, that, that shows up. And, and through the hustle of the season, I find myself trying to ask myself a, a very specific question. And I don't think it comes from me. I think it's the Holy Spirit just kind of chiming into my heart. And, and, and I believe what he says is this. Are you making room to see the gospel at work this Christmas Eve? Because here's what here's what I realized. that that okay, do, are you part of a family that has junk uh, inside the family? Uh, yeah, okay, just you and me. All right, good, good. Everybody, we got to find out what they're doing right. Um, but but we we try to avoid or we try to gear up to put up with, you know. But I wonder if, if we spend time asking ourselves, am I ready to see the gospel of Jesus at work this Christmas season? Do, do, uh, does my heart stir as I consider the beauty that Jesus has arrived, uh, that, that God is literally with us? Do, do I even care about a baby being born to us? And am I uh, giving space to even allow these questions to pop into my mind and my heart? Uh, due to the pacing of my life. Uh, and, and I might have presents under my tree, but the corny pastor quote is simply this. Do I have room under my tree for the greatest gift ever? A- am I allowing that kind of space in my heart over these weeks? And if, if you feel a small amount of guilt uh, while hearing and asking those questions, I want you to know a couple things. that That number one, you're not alone. At least me and Cindy are here okay, uh, that number two, you're in a safe place, uh, but, but then number three, it's not healthy that you would feel that way. Uh, it's not healthy that you wouldn't allow space in your heart and in your life these next couple weeks to think about the incredible, incredible work that Jesus provides this Christmas season. And, and so what I want to do, uh, and I think we're going to do this this week and next week, uh, but but what I want to do is I want us to focus our hearts towards Jesus. And I know you're like, well, I th- thought that's what we do here. <laughs> I thought that's, that's why we came. But but I, I really want us to say, okay, given the time of the year, I want us to focus our hearts on Jesus. And I want us to, at least for the next few moments, to slow our pace down so that there can be room underneath the tree. So that there can be room to celebrate a gift that is indescribable, uh, as Paul would say. That we would be able to celebrate in, in Romans 6, 23 when it says, The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, that that would be what we desire to do. So let's let's pray. and Let's go. Father, we come to you. We are thankful this morning uh, that you care about us so greatly. We thank you this morning that, that our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I pray that our lives would be able to, to live that as a testimony, that, that we would understand that it is Christ alone that solves all of our issues. And we pray this morning as we travel to a, uh, what can be a very familiar scene, that your Holy Spirit would speak and reveal to us. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said. All right, there's always this tension, right, this time of year. Um, where, uh, where, where we try to figure out what is the best cause for celebration this time of year, right? And I know some of us can get all up in arms, right? Is it Merry Christmas or is it Happy Holidays, right? Uh, do, you, do you buy a Lexus and put a bow on it, put it in the driveway, or do you build an orphanage in Honduras, right? Uh, some of you are like, I, don't, I really don't know about that one. Um, which, is, which is more Christmassy, right? Is, is it It's a Wonderful Life or is it Die Hard? You know, um, both of those very much Christmas movies, um, but but at the risk of of sounding overly simplistic, what I, what I want us to do is, is I long to come in almost every year and and just say these two things to you. Okay, as we talk about why do we celebrate Christmas, it's simply because of two reasons. Okay, number one, okay, uh, we needed a savior. We need a savior. Then number two. God loves us so much that He sends Jesus to save us. Okay, we can defunct Christmas by those two simple statements. Okay, we need a Savior, and God loves us so much that He sends Jesus to save us. Okay, so so if you feel tension because you thought Christmas was about something else, we're we're going to see in God's Word how that's true. Okay, we're going to see God tell us this is why we celebrate. Christmas. This is why we have ugly Christmas sweaters. This is why we go to the holiday parties, right? Um, and I think the focus we fight for in these weeks isn't uh, in the schedules, but in, in seeing Jesus accurately in our hearts, that the gospel would work through our gift giving and our gift receiving. The gospel would work through our relationships with our family members. Our, our The gospel would work through the pace of our lives. And and so uh, we, we want to see Jesus accurately in our hearts, where, where his arrival is celebrated because, again, we need a Savior, and God loves is so deep for us uh, that he would send us one. And so, so if Christmas is about Jesus, then I don't think we have to go very far uh, in the Bible to see this played out. Uh, in fact, uh, I, I personally believe the best introduction Uh, to Jesus in the Gospels is John's account. I think it's just incredible. Um, But that's not very Christmassy, okay? Uh, Nobody comes in John's account and has a Christmas play with livestock on the stage. They don't do that, okay? So there's two other places you go. Mark doesn't even deal with baby Jesus, okay? So there's two other places you can go. You can go into the, the Gospel of Luke, which tells the story through the perspective of Mary, or you can go through the Gospel of Matthew, which tells the story from the perspective of Joseph, okay? Both authors are trying to tell us something different, okay? Uh, one of them, uh, Matthew's trying to express to us how Jesus comes in the line of David. Uh, that's why the gospel opens up with this um, family tree, this lineage of who beget who. Uh, so so what we get to see here in Matthew chapter 1 is the lens through Joseph. And we get to see something in Joseph that really we don't see anywhere else in the Bible. And so we can go. Uh, Matthew chapter 1 uh, verse 18 starts off with this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Okay? So if Jesus is a big deal to you. Here's his, his origin, right? Now when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph... Uh, before they came together, okay, that's a significant underlined phrase. Before they came together, uh, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And everyone says, dun, dun, dun. And her, jo- and her husband Joseph, being a just or, or being a righteous man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, and this is important for you if you want to pay attention to what the Bible has been saying about what Jesus does. Son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. Okay, and here's what I want you to pay attention to for he will. Save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. I mean, it's just, this story is it's remarkable. It really is uh, like like Hallmark and Lifetime. They they can't even they can't even sniff how great this story is. Uh, you know, I, I think they could try, right? Uh, Joseph is engaged to Mary, but it turns out, right, right. He's he's like a barista in Seattle right and maybe maybe we should pitch this idea right um so so Joseph already knowing Mary says hey I'm with child right and him knowing the birds and the bees he feels like he's been lied to or at least he's been duped right but he's a good guy that's what they show him in the Lifetime he's like hey you know so so he he doesn't he wants to divorce her quietly he doesn't wish to publicly shame her and then he has a dream uh, God knows his thoughts. He uh, sends an angel to, to kind of wake him up in his dream and, and say, "Hey, um, uh, listen, Joseph, I want you to go ahead and marry Mary, okay?" Um, and that's gonna be the title for our song, uh, our movie. Apparently, it's called "Mary Mary," um, but you get it. It's not "Mary Mary." It's like "Mary," like you're marrying Mary. So, so that's that's what it is. I'm gonna pitch it, all right? And I'm gonna watch it, and you're gonna be like, "Oh man, that's a great idea." Um, but the angel says, no, no, uh, we want you to go ahead and you're going to marry her. You don't have to shame her. Um, she wasn't fooling around on you. Not only was she not fooling around on you, uh, the baby in her belly is conceived by the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, almost like no biggie, right? And, and then verse 21, she's going to give birth. And, and let's see, um, why don't you name him Jesus because he's going to save everyone uh, from their sins. And now if you think parenting your kid uh, might be an intimidating task. Um, how about you just wear their shoes just for a moment, right? Uh, I mean, I, I pray that, that Barak, uh, that he would, God would raise him up to be a powerful man in his generation for the gospel. Uh, I pray that. Now, I couldn't imagine uh, my prayers being for Jesus, right? Savior of the world. Uh, and, and, and I'm always surprised when, when I read these words um, because it seems so very casual, Right, um, Joseph, he's like, "Oh man, I had a rough day. I guess I'm gonna leave Mary." Then the angel's like, "No, no, no, don't worry about it, man. Stay with her. Um, she's gonna have Jesus." And then Mary, when we see her account, it's like, "Oh, well, okay, whatever you say. Sounds like a plan, right?" But this, this is not casual at all. This is huge. And I think if we settle in on this clear, this profound thought that Jesus was born to save us from our sins, we can see how important and how vital uh, these scenes are. But we have to be careful at the same time because we don't want to be too comfortable with them, right? Uh, we don't want to just walk in and, 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 and convince ourselves that, uh, well, actually we could accidentally begin believing that this statement that Jesus came to rescue us from our sins that this becomes all about us. And we become the big part and everything revolves around us. That that Jesus came first and foremost to do the will of the Father. Uh, God has sent Him. We're going to talk about that in a moment. God has sent Him uh, to rescue us. And the good news for us is that it was the Father's will to provide for us a way to have a relationship with Him. And that's, that's through Christ. We sang those words. Cornerstone. Christ alone, right? And so... So he, this is what it said about him, he will save his people from their sins. And this is this is it. That's what he came to do. Uh, that this explanation wasn't given to humankind after the fact. They didn't realize, oh, this guy's pretty special. Let's make him that guy who's going to save everybody. Okay, This is said long before he even arrives. Okay, This is told while he is in the womb. So, so we can be very mindful that the ultimate purpose of Jesus is, It's not so that we can just have a better home, although he can do that. The ultimate purpose of Jesus is not so that you can find a spouse, even though he can make circumstances happen where where that is the case. It's not that, that he would make you completely healthy and never sick, because even though he can't do that, that's not his ultimate purpose. And so this leaves us kind of wondering this morning, how is it that although the angel will tell us, very specifically what Jesus comes to do. How do we get it so mixed up at times? Right? Uh, how, do we, um, how do we know that Jesus' real mission is, is, is lost in the lives of many believers uh, and that we don't come back to this very simple point that Jesus came to save me from my sins. But somehow what happens in our lives especially when, when life is difficult, um, is that, that we begin to think Jesus came for all these other things. And we begin to evaluate his effectiveness in our lives and in our hearts based on those other things. So I don't have, I didn't get that job, or that person uh, got sick, or that person doesn't like me, or that circumstance didn't work itself out the way I expected it to. Well, then Jesus must no longer be Jesus. And what we forget is that he came for a very specific reason. So that he will save his people from their sins. That, that is why Christ came. And so the angel has told us this. Verse 22. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Uh, Mark, I don't know if you know what that means. You should ask your grandma later. Um, and you shall call his name... Emmanuel, okay? Uh, she's not going to tell you. Uh, she's like, oh no, that's 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 inappropriate, son. Um, so, which which means this, Emmanuel, which means God with us, okay? So, so verse twenty-four. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. That's a good step in the right direction, Joseph, right? Uh, we're, we're not going to name him Joseph. We're going to name this guy Jesus. So they will, they will call him Emmanuel. What a beautiful thing. God literally with us. And this, this goes into a very complicated but a very powerful truth for us, that, that God would come down, he would live among us in, according, in accordance to bring us back to him. That He would bring us back to Him. In fact, uh, if if you haven't experienced this through the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit hasn't opened the eyes of your heart, this sounds as ridiculous as all other religions in the world. Right? I mean, we have some really kooky religions out there for how we get to God. Um, And and I believe, I confess that Christianity, outside of just the faith that the Holy Spirit brings and the enlightenment that He brings, uh, it sounds just as foolish as the rest of them with with the exception of this caveat that that almost all I believe all other worldly religions their process for getting to god involves us doing things to get to him okay but christianity is separate in the in the sense that that god has made his way to us revealing his incredible heart that god makes the way because we can't make it for ourselves and so this is, this is where we're going to settle in for for a few moments, that, that we celebrate Christmas because it marked the day when God's plan would take a major step in our direction, that God's plan is revealing His desire to rescue us from our sins that's leading us to our utter demise, uh, to our complete separation from Him. And, and so, uh, and I think, just like it's easy to miss Jesus in the pacing of our lives, I think it's also easy to miss Jesus when we come to statements like this, that Jesus came to save his people from their sins. Because what we want to do is we want to add to that. Because that seems too simple, right? Because that's how we do relationships. Well, I need to do something in order for that to be the case. Right? I need to earn that right. So so what I want us to do is I want to spend some time decluttering and hearing Jesus tell us what he's come to do in, in red-letter fashion. Okay, When I say red-letter fashion, I simply mean this. Most Bibles today, when they're written, uh, when you see red letters, those are the words of Jesus. It helps us cut between the narrator and the, the crowd, so we know very specifically what Jesus is saying to us. That's what we call red-letter additions. Uh, and so, so what I want us to do, we're going to take five points that Jesus says Okay? And five things Jesus says about why he has come. Ultimately, we know it comes under this umbrella that he will save his people from their sins. So, so when he comes, this is what he says he's going to do. Number one, he says, I have come to fulfill God's plan already established. I have come to fulfill God's plan already established. Matthew chapter 5. And I'm sorry, we don't have all the time to do the context of these. Uh, but I encourage you to spend some time in these verses this week. Uh, Jesus says this, Do not think I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. That was the biggest complaint from the Jewish leadership. Right? This guy's coming to do away with what God has already established. So he comes in and he says, Don't think I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I've come to play the very specific role that God has sent me to play. So so here's what we know about Jesus that he wasn't this hell Mary that God is throwing to save His people. That he he's not like uh, God's plan 2.0. Uh, there was nothing wrong with the previous law; it was just a placeholder. It was holding us until Jesus could come. That that's what Paul will tell us in uh, in Romans. That that if you walk through the Old Testament, it's impossible to not read about the coming of the Messiah throughout all the sections. Every single one of them. You have almost as early as Genesis chapter 3, right? Uh, about, I think it's about eight verses after the fall of man. You see God come in and say, I'm sending my son. I'm sending the Messiah. Now, in fact, B.B. Warfield uh, he famously describes the Old Testament in this way. He says, it's a, it's a fully furnished room, but it's dimly lit. And it's not until Jesus, the light of Jesus comes in that we begin to see what has always been in that room. And, and so, so God did not send Jesus because it was the next experiment. Okay, uh, God did not send Jesus because he was just trying to see if maybe this plan would, would work itself out. God initiated this process thousands and thousands and thousands of years before the birth of Christ. In fact, the Old Testament attests to how complicated this process is and it serves as this reminder of just how small we are in the presence of a mighty God. That he would formulate his plan and no one could thwart it. No one could get in the way. Number two. Jesus says, I've come to seek and save what was lost. I've come to seek and save what was lost. Luke 19 verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. I know, I know we don't like verses like that because it seems really simple. It's not complicated enough. But he says, I've come to seek and save the lost. And now he says these words in Luke 19 to, to a wee little man. Uh, I don't I don't think he's bigger than this, uh, but his name is Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus has, has some questions uh, and, and he is coming to this realization that he needs a savior and Jesus says he came to seek and save what was lost and that's you and that's me this is why christmas is big because of our sin we are in need of being saved from our sin and we realize when we realize that something is wrong we go searching for that fulfillment right now unfortunately some of us have the wounds and the scars of searching for that fulfillment outside of christ some of us think if we just take one more step in that direction and what we forget is that the further we step away, the more we lose ourselves in in whatever that trap is. And so, so what the gospel comes in and what the Bible teaches us is that the only place we find lasting fulfillment is when we find our need for Christ. When we see who He is. Jesus says, I came to be the hero of your story, and to help you find your way back to God. That's what He comes to do. And this path leads you directly through Him. Number three. Jesus comes to offer you a full life. A full life. John 10.10. 10, uh, one of the most famous uh, words that Jesus has ever spoken, right? The thief, talking about the enemy, talking about Satan, comes to steal and kill and destroy. And He says, I came that they, that you, may have life and have it abundantly. Okay, Now, we get messed up on that word, right? Because we take abundantly and we make that mean so many other things than what Christ has offered to bring us. Because uh, he makes a very incredible and simple distinction between his offer and Satan's offer. Okay? He says that, that Satan comes as a thief and his intentions aren't pure. They look like it. They offer uh, what C.S. Lewis uh, paints in his his famous book, um, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. He calls it Turkish Delight, right? Yes, yes. You can have all the Turkish Delight that you want. All you got to do, I have have more at my house, so let's let's go get more there. Oh, it's, it's in this room. And you walk in the room, they shut the door, and you're locked in. That's the way it works. That's the way temptation works. That's the way the enemy works. He baits you because his intention isn't for your betterment. His intention is to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's what Jesus says, not me. Okay? But then Jesus, his distinction is this I have come that you may revel in life. The enemy wants you to revel, wants to revel in death. I've come that you would revel in life. And not just life that you would um, survive, but that life that you would thrive in. That, that it would be full of love, and it would be full of truth. It would be full of hope and assurance that, that you are not alone in this world. I've come that you may have life. Number four, I've come that you, to give my life as a ransom for yours. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve... And to give his life as a ransom for many. So, so a sacrifice, and some of you are like, I know this. I've heard this. You say this almost every Sunday. And I say it because it is. we can't get away from this. Not for a moment. That, that, that a sacrifice had to be made for us to have a relationship with God. Our issue is that we couldn't afford to make the necessary payment. Uh, The book of Isaiah paints it in this way. It says that all of our righteousness is is as of filthy rags compared to God's. So your best you is filthy apart from Jesus. So Jesus lives a sinless life and he willingly obeys his father by laying his life down. No one took it from him. He laid it down. We, we said this a couple weeks ago when we were walking through the scene of the cross and the resurrection, that he yielded up his spirit. Satan has not won for one moment. So our story needed a hero who would be selfless enough and capable enough to do what was ever necessary to rescue us, who he deeply loves. And Jesus took that thought to the greatest extreme. He laid his life down. Number five. Jesus says this, in his own words, I've come to save the world. I've come to save the world. We, we can start wrapping this up. John 3.16, right? Like, oh, I've seen that one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only uh, son, that whoever believes in him should not perish have eternal life and that's typically where we stop, right? We've memorized that one, but verse 17, boy, it's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing for God, okay, to Jesus is saying this to us. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. It's equally powerful, right? <laughs> For some reason, we stop at 16 and we're like, oh, that's a beautiful statement. Let's just only, let's put that on the coffee mug. And maybe 17 won't fit. I don't know. I don't know how big your coffee mug is. But what a powerful thing for God. Jesus is explaining this. God didn't send me to condemn you. God sent me to save you, to liberate you. And, and, And now, if you thought your job description was hard, try waking up every morning with this being your task. That if. People who are hostile towards you, you're laying your life down for. He says, I'm not here to condemn you because that's the consequences of your sin. That's the consequences of your sinful nature. You're condemned. But I am your way out of that condemnation. Condemnation. Our story was leading to damnation and an eternity and punishment for our sin. And Jesus came to save us from that life, from that sentence. And and listen, this, this wasn't because God was being unfair, because again, we say this all the time, fairness ended in the garden. It's because He was just. And He can't bow down to your sin. He's unwilling to. He makes possible a Savior to change everything about our situation, to rescue us from a life that leads to devastation. And so so here's what we know, that that Christmas is about these two beautiful things, and really, the life of a believer is about these two beautiful things. You needed a Savior, that God loved you so much to send Jesus. You needed a Savior, and some of us need to remember that. Because in our walking with God, uh, there's a real danger that pride will creep up and we're like, I'm a pretty big deal for God. No. You needed a Savior. God loved you so much that He would send Jesus. And so here's our question. Do we have room underneath our tree for Jesus? Is the pacing of our weeks The pacing of our days, does it include Jesus? Or are you guilty of coming in here today saying, Oh, I need to get a little bit of Jesus, right? And then I can go do the rest of whatever I have going on. It would be a shame, right? What a shame if we get to the end of our week or the end of next week And we say, oh yeah, I guess Christmas was about Jesus. Okay. Our hearts can stir. And this is what I know. To some of us, Christmas is a hard time of year. Because again, we have some relationship issues in the families. We are dealing with the loss of people, that this is our first Christmas without them. And it feels weird, and it feels heavy, and it's not as celebratory as as we would like it to be. And I believe this, I believe this so firmly, that if we have room for Jesus in our hearts over these next couple weeks, He will help us navigate those waters. That He will ease our heart, He will soften our heart and hearts. He He will allow compassion and love to spill out if we will allow Him. He will be our peace in the midst of our pain. That all those things are possible. But I don't think they'll happen if you're trying to outpace Jesus this Christmas season. Our desire this week is that we would love God by, please stand with me. You said that really loud, man. That was, that was intimidating. didn't even know you were there until right then. I love you guys. I'm so glad we get to celebrate Christmas together. If you need prayer this morning, we we long to pray with you. Mark and, and Kim, they'll be up here. They want to pray. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, today is the best day. I think I think we've spent some time talking about you need Jesus in your life. If you want to stop and thank Jesus for His sacrifice on the cross. We have communion elements available to you. Let's let's pray. Father, we thank you that you love us. You love us when we are not very lovable at times. And and we celebrate that that you sent Jesus. And I pray that we would have a, a laser lock focus on why we celebrate Christmas in the first place. That we would be able to see over these next few days and few weeks. That we would be able to see you at work. That we would be able to see places in our lives where we are trapped in bondage. That we would be able to see people in our lives that are trapped in bondage. That we would step up. We would proclaim your goodness. I pray we would not waste one opportunity this Christmas season to make much of you